It's my great privilege to uh, invite our, our speaker today, Pastor YJ uh, from Brackettville. Uh, some of you have heard of Brackettville down by the San Antonio, outside the San Antonio area. Um, other side of San Antonio. Been through a lot this past year. They've had some bad weather that we've assisted them with. Um, and then uh, a couple short months later, they had a school shooting. And so let's really be in prayer for that area and Pastor YJ's church that they would just be a divine appointment, as, as Pastor YJ's talking about today, for that area. That they're going to be the hands and feet of Jesus, and they're going to go and they're going to change that whole area like it's never been changed before. So Pastor YJ, it's Thank all you. yours. Appreciate it. Thank you. So good to be here this morning, and uh, good to see you. Uh, uh, thank you, bro, uh, Pastor Chris and Pastor Melissa, for uh, the opportunity. It's always good to be back in Bastrop County, and uh, I was raised here, and uh, I don't know if you're familiar, but my name is Isidro Jose Antonio Ariano Jimenez de Rodriguez III, and uh, <laughs> I said that at our church the other day, I said, if you can't say it back, you owe me $5. And a lady came out and said, here's $5. I said, I was just joking. And she said, I wasn't. And I, I want to thank you for being here. Uh, it's, it's such a blessing. And my family here, my sisters, my, my grandchildren and my nephew, a niece, and uh, my wife, my precious wife. And I thank God for her. And I just give her a hand. She's a blessing to me. <clears throat> I invite you to turn with me to Matthew. I rather Acts chapter eight. I've got Matthew on my Acts chapter eight, if you would. Acts chapter eight, and I want to tell you, as I begin to see the enthusiasm of the fact is that how God saves us is that you and I are without God. You and I are separated from God from a, by a deep chasm. God is separated from us because of our sin, but God, in all His mercy, granted the fact that Jesus Christ. Because God couldn't come because he's a spirit. He came through the flesh so that you and I have a God that paid for our sins. But more than anything, not only paid for our sins, but he is a mediator between us and God the Father. So every need that you have, God's already listening to you. He wants to have that definite personal relationship with you. So the day that someone witnessed to you, or perhaps you were in a church, or perhaps somebody said, ask you if you believed, and that day you believed on Jesus Christ, God put his grace upon you. You said, and then you took the first step and said, I believe I confess that, that I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, raised from the dead, and that I want you to change me. That's repentance. So you took a big giant step toward God. And from there to the, to he calls you home is to be a growing experience. So that you're growing more like Jesus. So, what is grace? If someone killed your son. How would you reply? Our sins killed the Son of God. If someone killed my son, I would not want to have anything to do with them. I would want to not have them in my home. I don't know if I would want them to have a relationship. I don't know if I would want to be able to bless them. But God said, because you believe, I'm inviting you in a personal relationship, and I'm going to bless you. I want you to be obedient to me, 
But I want to bless you until the day that you die, and then I'm going to take you, and you're going to inherit all the blessings of my child, of my son. Isn't that great? Now, the early church was fired up. They had just experienced the risen Lord. He had died on the cross, raised from the dead, and they were excited. They didn't have a big church to meet. They met in small groups and homes. But they were excited. They were excited about being with one another. They were excited about praying for one another. They were excited about seeing what God could do in somebody's life. And so as they began to go out, Jesus gave them a command. He said, go ye therefore into all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And then he said, but you receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and unto the ends of the earth. So, wow. So, all of a sudden, the early church in Jerusalem, I mean, it's on fire. People are getting, committing their lives to Christ. I mean, it's amazing. And then they ordained some deacons, and one is Philip. And Philip is called by an angel of the Lord to go to a place. And he's going to a place, and he's there, and he goes out to the desert. Everything's happening here, but God calls him out here. But suddenly, there's a person, an Ethiopian eunuch. A eunuch was someone that was neutered in order to be close to the high command. So here they were, and they had an entourage. And he was reading the book of Isaiah, the scroll of Isaiah. And here it was, and the Spirit said to Philip, go into the Ethiopian eunuch and go to the chariot. So immediately he goes up, and he gets into the chariot. And he said, do you understand what you're reading? And he's reading Isaiah 53. And Isaiah 53 is talking about the suffering Savior. 500 years before Christ ever came into this world, Isaiah prophesied it. And the crucifixion. And it's all we like sheep have gone astray. We turned everyone to his own way. And immediately, Philip began to talk to him about Jesus. And he went all the way through a court. And obviously, he went all the way through baptism because he halted the chair. And he said, what does hinder me from being baptized? And immediately, he baptized him. Wow. And he went on his way. And without a cell phone... Without any technology, they spread the word in such a way because their faith was hot. When I look at this, I think you and I have been born, of all the people that could have been born, of all the billions of people that could have been born, God chose you to be born. And he has a divine purpose for you to come to Christ so that you can be an effective witness, so that you can experience God's power in your life so that you can be able to share the good news of Jesus Christ with someone else. I'm just a beggar that found a piece of bread I want to share with somebody else. Several years ago, I committed my life to Christ through a serious accident. Almost in a year, I became a pastor. I was preaching up a storm, and suddenly I wound up in a little community, as you may know, is Rosanke. And just a handful of people were there at the time, and I was, saw some kids that were located in a place called Pine Valley. As I was going up there, I knew that God had a purpose for me being there. As I was taking those kids home, and of course, take them home, and then going on my way, 
All of a sudden, I saw a man out there that was digging post holes. Knew him all my life. God burdened my heart and said, you need to talk to him. My conscience, and God, I'll come back in just a little later. Well, I, that evening I got busy. The next morning I was studying for a major exam. On Tuesday I'd go to college. And then suddenly, that night I came home, ate supper, and Lisa said, my wife said, somebody wants to talk to you. The lady on the other end was crying, and she said, we're not church-going people, and you know us. And she started crying. I said, I waited. She said, we need somebody to do our funeral. And I said, who is this? And when she told me, it was a man that I was to witness to. I want to tell you, the hardest thing I ever did was not to do a funeral for my mother and dad. It was not to be at the funeral of my granddaughter, a little child. The hardest thing that I ever did was to preach a funeral of somebody that God laid on my heart that I should have witnessed to. And it changed me. I went immediately to a place and it called continuous witness training and I shared and learned how to share my faith. I was already a pastor. How to share it effectively. How I could sit down with someone and turn the conversation over. And so immediately I began to do that and I thought because we have the greatest message in the world and if we don't share it, America will fall. God has anointed you to be able to be the effective witness for you because we have the greatest message in the world. It's a treasure. I, I know that I have a great, 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 great uncle that was named Jorge Rodriguez. He was a mean man. He robbed a lot of Texas banks and took them into Mexico and hid the money. So the Texas governor hired the meanest, honorest Texas ranger he could find to, to hunt down Jorge Rodriguez. He goes across the border, takes his two six guns. He finds out that Jorge Rodriguez is in the cantina and he blazes open the doors and he starts shooting in the air. I'm looking for Jorge Rodriguez. And everybody is just standing up like this. And the only one that could talk English was the bartender. And the bartender said, I know how to end. He's over in the corner. says, well, you tell him if he, doesn't, if he doesn't tell me where the Texas money's at, I'm going to shoot him. And so he looks at him and he translates. He said, Jorge, they want to know where the Texas money's at. Or he's going to shoot you. He's going to fill you with bullet holes. He said, tell him don't shoot. Go out to the edge of town. About five miles, you'll see an old well. Go down five stones, and you'll find all the Texas money, but tell him, don't shoot, don't shoot. Texas Ranger asked the bartender, so what did, what did he say? What did he say? He said, Jorge said, he's not scared of you. You go ahead and shoot. <laughs> yeah. Come on now. Do I have a witness? <laughs> And God wants you and I to be a witness. And so I decided that God positions you and I in unbelievable ways around people, around friends, whether you are in sports, whether you have a career, whether you're in college, or wherever you're at. 
God has called you and I to be witnesses for Him. Once you become a believer, you ought to be excited about that. And you pass on, and I'm just a beggar that found a piece of bread, and I'm just sharing it with somebody else. And before I start this message, I want you to know it's not about me. It's about God. But God has given me experiences, strange experiences that were divine appointments that some people would say coincidences. And so I want you to know what I'm about to share with you are things that shook my world, that made my mouth fly open that I didn't realize how important God is in your life. So I tell you, experience a divine appointment is going to require some things. I'm going to give you just a few principles right now. Is whatever fears you may have, because when Steve, when Philip left Jerusalem, he had to face one thing, and that was Stephen dying when they stoned him to death. Now, stoning, if you ever read about it, they would stone the person with rocks. No, they weren't stoned by drugs. They were stoned by rocks. And they threw the rocks until literally the brains would go out. You could not even recognize it. So what happened was that he witnessed the stoning of Stephen. But then the angel came to him and said, I want you to go to this place. Leave a place that here that's popular and go to a place that's out in the desert. Now, some of us need to get rid of our fears. I don't know what your fear was and is today about sharing the good news, but all of us have fears. Are they going to like me anymore? What's going to do if they turn me down? What's going to happen? I was sitting by one guy on an airplane after having been hurt on any reservation, and I I immediately says, what happened to you? I must have looked like death warmed over. I'd been in the hospital for seven days. And he looked at me, and I said, well, I was telling people about Jesus Christ and how you could have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and I got hurt off a horse. And he goes like this. He talks to flight attendant, flight attendant. He said, can I move somewhere else? (laughs) No. Not everybody's going to accept the message. But what I began to discover, what are your fears? So the immediate thing is, I need to deal with my fears. Stephen must have witnessed that stony and thought, if I talk about Jesus, they're going to kill me. I'm going to lose my job. Wow. But the second thing is preparing by learning. And so I began to learn, study, it says, be prepared to answer every man that asks you the reason of the hope that's within you. So you need to be prepared. And so what I would do, I would share, as I looked at the Apostle Paul, every time he appeared before Agrippa, he would share his testimony. He would share his, his salvation story. On the road to Damascus, he would say, he would over and over, every time you see the Apostle Paul, he's rehearsing it, rehearsing it, rehearsing it, that it convicted the king of Rome. Wow. Now, when you and I get to that point, I'm thinking expressing your faith and sharing your testimony is the most important thing you ever do. So here I was, a group of senior citizens going to Waco or going to Eureka Springs, Arkansas. We left Rosanke going there. We were all jolly. We were looking forward to going to Eureka Springs, having a great time. And that senior adult ministry with another car falling behind us. And here we were, here we were going to Eureka Springs. We got to Waco, the transmission started acting up. 
I thought, wow, what's going to happen here? And I thought, oh, man, we started praying. And, and suddenly we started going to the commercial district looking for a mechanic. There was only one door open in that commercial district where all the automotive places were. And so, boy, we, we pulled in there. I stopped in there and I said, you know, could you help us? He said, well, I was over here to get a few tools and go home and work on, on some things. And so the next thing I know, here we are. And I told the senior adults, he's willing to work on it, but I'm going to have to take you to Walmart, drop you off, and then I'll come back and get you when the work is done. I'll stay there for two hours. And here we were. And I, I said, I, by the way, so how much we owe you? And I, he said, I need this much money. Well, we got all the money together. I gave him the money to pay for it. And I said, I want to tell you who I am. He said, I already know who you are. I said, how do you, how do you know me? He said, uh, you did my, my brother's funeral. I said, you did. My brother died in a, in a railroad accident. Yeah. He said, you said some things at that funeral. And he started cheering up. And I said, uh, I probably talked about how I had a relationship with Jesus Christ and how a serious accident that I committed my life to Jesus Christ because I had three hours to live. He said, you did. And ever since that time, it's been on my mind, my heart. I said, do you believe you're a sinner? He said, yes. Do you believe Jesus Christ died on the cross and raised from the dead? I said, yes. Are you going to let God change you? Yes. Here's a big mechanic man. He's bigger than I am. And he bows his head and prays that prayer. Was it a coincidence? Do I have a witness? <laughs> I turned to the senior adults and I told them, they said, man, they were just praying. Only God could do that. We break down. Is it a coincidence that that just happened? I looked at that and I'm thinking, you know what? I wasn't on trial. You as a witness are on the witness stand and you're just to tell what experience you had. And so when I began to take that equation out of the picture, I thought, boy, I realized that I had to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes inside of you. He helps you. He abides with you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. But He's there to guide you and for you to be right on target with a divine appointment. That somebody needs to come to know Jesus Christ. That if not, they will suffer in hell without Christ. So I began to put that in my picture. It's to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. So uh, I don't know if my, my little sister remembers this, but we were going to my, our great uncle's, our great uncle's funeral. And then suddenly <clears throat> we were landed, we left here at Austin, we went to Dallas airport. And then suddenly we we're in Dallas and my little sister st- sits down here my dad sits here and then there's a a lady a businesswoman very attractive lady she's she's there and she removes her coat and her luggage off the seat so i could sit so i wouldn't want those spiritual moods you know what i mean you want to just get on the plane oh come on now god i just want to read my book god i'm just going to kick back here i'm going to kick back my feet hope i don't fall kick my feet And I'm going to look at this book. Chuck Swindoll. Three steps forward, two steps back. The lady looks and says, that must be an interesting book. That's a story of my life. 
Oh, Lord. <laughs> I wasn't going to talk. I'm scared to death. What do I say? Uh, uh, you know, you've been there before. Uh, it's Christian book. So, well, she said, uh, I just went to my reunion. And I said, she said, uh, I'm amazed. I thought everybody would have changed. Nobody's changed. They're still doing the same old thing they did when we graduated. They're either alcoholics or drugs. They've been married so many times. I said, oh, I said there's got to be more to life. I said, my life seems like it goes forward and steps back. And she said, what else is about that book? I said, well, who are you? What do you do? I almost told her I'm a life insurance. Give away life insurance. <clears throat> no, but I said, I, I love t- sharing my story. I had a car accident. My wife was about to leave me. I was an alcoholic. And she started going to church. And I wouldn't go to church. I thought everybody was a hypocrite. And so I, I said, that day, I had three hours to live. I committed my life to Jesus Christ. I believed that I was a sinner and that he'd change me. She said, I need to be changed. I said, Are you, do you believe you're a sinner? Yes. Do you believe Jesus Christ died on the cross and raised from the dead? Yes. Are you willing to let God change you? Yes. Next thing I know, I said, well, would you bow with me? She bows her head, but she gets in front of the Lord and everybody at the airport. Pulls me down. I'm down on her. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall not be ashamed. I'm thinking, they're calling her name. They're calling her name. I'm thinking, man, they called her name twice. She said, go ahead, go ahead, pray, pray. And so I'm praying, dear God, dear God, I am a sinner, I am a sinner. I believe that Jesus Christ, I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross, died on the cross, raised from the dead. And she's crying. There's an attendant comes up and says, we're ready for you to board the plane. We're, we're going to be taken off. She's crying. She has her luggage. And, and I don't know what year them rolling suitcases come out, but I remember you had to pack them, you know. But they, this was a rolling suitcase. And, and I thought, she's rolling a suitcase. She pulls out of her purse. She gives me a card. I'll, I'll be in touch. And I'd give her my card. I'll be in touch with you. It's just crying. And the attendant takes her in. The door shuts. I look at the card. CFO of Akron Tire Company, Ohio. Do I have a witness? I'm just a cowboy I'm just an old cowboy that found something to eat I'm just passing along to somebody else man I sat there I was stunned my dad of course he's he was like like the Holy Spirit sometimes I wasn't no Holy Spirit even dealing with me dad was going punching me go get him you know talk about him you know that's the way my dad was I thought, what just happened here? I said, God, I just made myself willing if I just opened my mouth. And so I looked at that and I thought, 
man, not only sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, but I began to realize that you need some people to pray for you. If you're going to be an effective witness, you need to be able to let people pray for you. And I remember just the fact that people praying for me, mom and dad and others that are praying for me, my wife. And I want to tell you, you can't do without prayer because boldness, and, and according to Acts chapter 4, they all were said pray, they pray that the disciples, even in spite of persecution, that they would be filled with boldness. You can't be bold unless you pray for it. So I looked at that and I thought, the power of the word. It is the word of God that's living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword that pierces asunder of soul and spirit is the discerner of the thoughts and tense of the heart. The word, I don't even have to say anything. The other day, a man came to my office and we've been, I, I, like, I like Native American things. I collect things. I collect, I, I got too much of collection. I'm not a hoarder. But anyway. Anyway. He had, we hadn't prayed nice, so he told me he went to church. I said, where do you go to church at? He told me. He said, but I, you know, I got different beliefs. I said, okay. I said, here's my belief. I shared my quick story. And then I left him with this. I said, before you leave, I just want to leave this. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You ever heard that one? He said, a little bit, but I can't say it. So I said it for him. I said that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and God raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. See you later, partner. My word will not return void. Remember, it's the power of God. You have a responsibility as a witness. But God uses your brokenness. Now, hold on. You ready for this? Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God into salvation. So you ask people to pray for you. And then here's, here's, here's the last thing. In Acts, or rather, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 4. It said, if our gospel be hidden, it is hidden to them that are lost, lest the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ should shine unto them. You still with me? People that are lost are blinded. And the Bible says that you and I have this treasure in earthen vessels. It's the light. And that light is there, but God brings brokenness so that the light will come out because he is the light of the world. So you have to be broken in this earthen jar is, is where the light is inside your spirit. So what has to happen, it has to be broken. Now I can't tell you how many times, some of you have been broken by, by relationships, you've been broken by death, you've been broken by all kinds of things, the loss of a job, you've been broken by, by issues, by physical issues, but God brings brokenness so that you can be able to look at them and grow through them. So that you become more like Jesus. So my wife has Huntington's disease. We're looking at doctors all the time. And the other day, I thought, got to bloom where I'm planted. Hey, doctor, I just want to tell you our story. Do I have a witness? God didn't allow you to go to this just to be shut up and be worried about yourself. He wants you to talk about him. How do you know? 
that the other people next to you don't have cancer or don't have, have Huntington's disease or have another disease? How do you know that God didn't place you right there at that moment in time and the angels in heaven are saying, go, 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 go. And the Spirit of God is waiting for you to open up. Wow. Sometimes I don't want to. And I have to deal with that. So man, God has broken me. I want to tell you, He's broken me physically. Have I told you how many car wrecks I've had, how many times I survived? You wouldn't want to get in the car with me. If I told you how many horses I've been on that messed me up, you wouldn't want to ask me to train you to ride no horses. But God led us on the Indian Reservation to the Navajo. It's the middle of nowhere. We'd been praying. Second year we'd done it. We did it on horseback. We called it horseback evangelism. Saddleback evangelism. So when I got out, I had a horse that didn't belong to me. I traveled out there. We got on that horse and we'd go make visits. We'd have two people would hold the horses. The other, uh, others would go in, uh, talk to the kids. We'd get into little communities before they could really have a lot of cars out there. This was about 30 years, 20 years ago. And so, boy, I'm going to tell you, we went into homes and the Hogans and everything else proclaiming the gospel. Well, in this one, we had this one day. We were going to go out, just do one visit, and then go. And there was this uh, thing off of this mesa. It was an old Hogan, prehistoric, and I had to get a picture of it. And so I got an old camcorder, you know, those things. <laughs> I had that camcorder, and I was on that horse, and it got up close to the rim of that mesa. And all of a sudden, the horse took off, headed toward the mesa. Spook. I jumped, planted in a crevice of rocks. My shoulders out. I had a person from Vietnam that was with us, and he said, "I can put you back in," but he said, I, I, "I'll kill you." He said, "Your ribs are messed up." They loaded me back on the same horse, got me out of the out of that mesa off that off the canyon off that mesa, and then got in a four wheel tri- drive truck, and I, I knew I was dying. I didn't know what to do. All I said is, God, if I die, I want to go out taking people with me. (laughs) So they got me to, it was 10 miles from four-wheel drive all the way where I was hurt. It's about 10 miles. All kinds of bad roads, bumpy roads, everything. Got up there. Got out to the very place that goes to Farmington, between Farmington and Albuquerque. They loaded me in an ambulance. And I prayed again. I said, God, use me one more time. If I die, let me go out taking other people with me. So the guy says, sir, I know you're in a lot of pain. Your shoulder is very obvious. It was way out here. And I said, yeah, but I got to tell you something before you give me a shot. I want to tell you that Jesus Christ is who we've been talking about out here. And I had a car wreck way back there many years ago. And I was an alcoholic, and my wife was about to leave me. And I committed my life to Jesus Christ, and he changed me. And I want you to know that the Bible says that we're all sinners. Do you believe you're a sinner? He says, yes. He says, do you know what sin is? He said, oh, yes. 
I went over the list of Ten Commandments again. And he said, yes, I've broken all of them. And all of a sudden, he said, sir, i got to give you a shot. I said, no. I said, I'm not going to force this on you. But he was already weeping. And I said, pray this prayer with me if you want to. Dear God, dear God, I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, raised from the dead. Dear God, I want to change. He prayed that prayer. Gave me a shot. I got up into the emergency room. I'm going out, and suddenly they take me in and out of this x-ray, and this lady comes up to me, and she's Japanese, and she says, Sir, how do you keep healing yourself? And the cowboy that was with me said, Jesus Christ is healing him. They couldn't find a hole in my lungs or anything that collapsed and everything else. They just, all of a sudden I got air again. They put me up on the fourth floor and ministered to me, got me ready and cleaned me up. I was all messed up. I mean, all my, everything, just dirt and sand, everything, and they cleaned me up. And here I am with the oxygen bottle. All that night, I was pushing the button, no one come, and I slid over on my left side and no one would come to me. And I just prayed, God, I'm going out. I need somebody to help me so I can witness. That's all I could say. And all of a sudden, they came in, found me, pushed me back up. And the lady said, what are you doing out here? So I'm witnessing and sharing with the Navajo that Jesus Christ can be the Savior of their life. She comes back the next morning. She says, get up, cowboy, cowboy up. Said, I got a Navajo lady that needs, needs, needs her. She's scared to die to go to surgery, and I need somebody to go talk to her. They gave me a bottle, a pair of oxygen bottle. They could have given me some boots, maybe look a little bit better. My, my hind end, you know. <laughs> go up there. So she said, I'm scared to die. I said, okay. <laughs> well, I was too. And I introduced her to Christ. She committed her life to Jesus Christ. I was in that. Amen. Do I have a witness? Before I left, she said, I want you to come back later, okay? And during that time, people would come. One particular day, I was, they brought a lady to me, a young lady. She was young. She said, my baby is 105 degree temperature right now and they don't know what to do they can't do anything and said well let's pray we went up there and prayed over her baby next thing I know she come back the next morning she says I don't know what you did but my baby got healed I said it's Jesus Christ you know what you know I said it wasn't me that healed I said would you like to bow your head and give your life to Jesus Christ yes I can't tell you I didn't keep score, but for seven, eight days, God did a miracle. Divine appointments happened. The man next door, Navajo, couldn't speak. I can't speak Navajo. I could say Yate'e. I could, I could say Dikish. Uh, means crazy. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden, I, I go in there and I say, Yezu. He didn't know what I was saying. And every day I'd go out there, Yezu. On that last day, I heard, I heard a whistle going. They were doing a ceremony for him. 
they came in and invited me to come into the room, which they never do for non-Navajo or non-natives. And they said, our dad told us in Navajo that you were a good friend and that you kept on pointing up here. I don't know. I don't know if he did or not. Do I have a witness? (laughs) Man. I left there that day. I still was still broken up on oxygen and the Navajo lady called me to her side and said, she wants to talk to you. I walked in there, big Navajo man with big, long black hair. It's huge. I mean, young man, stout. And I, I thought, well, maybe he's mad because I led her to Christ or something, you know, thinking, oh, what's going to happen? She says, she looked at me, she says, that man saved me. I said, no, no, I didn't save you. Jesus saved you. He started getting tears in his eyes. said, I just came from a rehab and Jesus Christ saved me. Then she said, come here, son. He reached down and he hugged her and they embraced like forever. He stood up and I, you know, natives don't cry that much. He was tearing up and trying to wipe the tears up. He'd come over there and got in the corner away from everybody and from me and her and he said that's the first time my mother's ever hugged me oh God do I have a witness God is not limited to space and geography he pulls us in ways that I don't know and all I know is that sometimes all I carry, sometimes and sometimes I leave these things at home. You know, I don't know. I told somebody the other day, I don't know how God keeps up with me. It's it's hard being YJ. Can't find my wallet, can't find my, I can't find my tracks. But I have one, and you open it up and say, que Jesucristo te ama. Have another one here that's God's bridge to life. I try to keep them, try to pass them. I pass them because if the Spirit leads going to drop it on them. I may be, or you may be the only one that they'll ever hear from Jesus Christ. It may be that the person that you need to pray with is just the initial time that you become their friend. Or when you take a a bag of groceries or when you do that. But with the ultimate in mind to be able to say that Jesus sent me here to tell you about the greatest news in all the world. And it's Jesus Christ that saves. Do I have a witness? And I looked at that and I thought, wow, God... So on one flight back here, <laughs> it was during and after 9-11. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I, I, one of those moods when God just let me rest. And then all of a sudden, I crossed the deal. I said, hi, how you doing? <laughs> he said, not very well. What? I, now what do you say, YJ? I said, well, I, I'll be praying for you. And uh, now the Spirit's kind of saying more and more and more. And I'm thinking, okay. And I said, uh, he said, I'm going to New York City. He said, my, my daughter and my husband are having, and her husband are having problems. 
He said, I'm going to get the grandkids and bring them back to California. He said, uh, my son was in the Twin Towers when it got hit. And as he ran off, body flesh was falling on him. And psychologists were trying to help him get over it. You vowed a disaster. I can't talk too much about this, but first responders, it was hard. I dealt with it. When you see kids that Satan used one gunman to unleash and you deal with the after effects of parents and first responders how do you get over it do I have a witness God As believers, when God said to Esther, if you don't speak out as a time as this, how do you know that God didn't bring you into the kingdom for such a time as this? Do I have a witness, God is saying. Do I have a witness? And you and I can be able to turn the world upside down around us. If we'll listen to the Spirit, we'll be prepared and be able to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. So if you're here and you'd like to bow your head, I want to bow with you. And God has been speaking to your heart as we've been talking about Christ dying on the cross and raising from the dead. I saw a man with a tattoo and it had a a needle going into showed a tattoo of the needle going into his arm. And I told him, I said, you know, I could have been like that too. He looked at me and he said, you didn't? I said, no. I said, because God stopped me before I got into all that. How did he stop you? And I told him that Jesus Christ died on the cross, raised from the dead. And he's willing to come into your life. You're willing to repent and have a change of life. You're willing to follow him the rest of the days of your life. There's some of you that need to make that decision today. No, you're not a drug addict. No, you're not an alcoholic. You may be religious, but you need Jesus Christ. And you can pray and believe this prayer. Dear God, I know I have sinned. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross and raised from the dead. Dear God, I want to be changed. I want to repent. I want to follow you. Come in my life and save me and change me. In Jesus' name. If you pray that prayer, go to the app and it'll you can follow the instructions there and push that you committed your life to Jesus Christ. Some of us have already done that. And maybe it's time to say, God, I want to be a witness. Maybe you've not been the witness at school. Let your light so shine before men that they may glorify your good works and glorify him.
And today is a new day that you can say, God, I, I want to change. I, I've, as a believer, I haven't done my responsibility. I've had a poor attitude on the job. I've had a poor attitude at home. I, I just want to change that. I want to change what I, what I am in sports. I want to change whatever I am at school. I want to, I want to change. God, I, I want to be effective for you. Because God didn't put you there just to shine for yourself. He put you there so that you can shine for Him. Do I have a witness? So as we take the, the communion today, when Jesus, before He would go to the cross, would give us this, He would say, this is my body. This bread is my body. It's a symbolism of my body, which is given for you. And this ought to mean something before we take it is that we, we review our life and we say, God, I, there's some changes I need to make. I need to be a witness. So God, today we take this communion. This is my body, which is given for you. We thank you, Lord, for your body that was given for us on the cross. And they take it and they ate it. Then he took the juice. And he said, this is my blood, which is given for you. We thank you, Lord, so much for dying on the cross, for shedding your blood for our sins. And God, we thank you. And God, until we do it again, we praise you. Until we see each other in heaven, Lord, we continue in Jesus' name. And they took the juice and they drank. Dear God, thank you for this day. We praise you and we give you thanks. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Do I have a witness? God bless you. Thank you.